Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you that we get to um, join as a community and body of believers, that we get to um, learn together and support one another um, as you have called us to do. And we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts and focus of our hearts please you um, because we love you. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so today we get to cover a very fun topic. Everybody's favorite. Um, one thing to, well, actually, before we even start any of this, we're going to pop quiz again. I did this to you guys two weeks ago, and I'm, I'm going to do it again. Um, tell me, we've been talking over and over and over again about the themes of First and Second Peter, so tell me what they are. And if you can, try, tell me, tell me, we've been talking about them in a progression, kind of an, an if you give a mouse a cookie situation. First this, then this. Does and and again, like last time, this is not rhetorical. So I need I need to hear voices. Please and thank you. Yes. Identity, that's thing one. Hope is thing two. How we live is thing three. And yay! We're actually getting this, y'all. We are. Good for you. All right. So the themes of First and Second Peter, we start with our identity, which results in hope. And because of our hope, we live a certain way, which will then have an influence on the people around us. So we are on our second to last week of First and Second Peter. It's hard to believe how fast it's gone, um, but we are. So one thing that we need to remember as we're talking about today is that these books were original, they're, they're letters. And so the people who received them did not receive them with chapter and verse. They received them as a big, like a single document. So we need to remember that today, the thoughts that we're going to talk about today in 2 Peter 2 flow from the final thought of chapter 1. And Christine reminded us at the end of last week that um, Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, therefore it is authoritative and inerrant. And so um, then Peter goes into 2 Peter first one and 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, that says, There are also, as there were also false prophets in Israel, there will be false teachers among you. So when we're looking at these um, themes here. We say, okay, how does this, what seems like an aside on false teachers, fit into any of these themes? And here's what I would say. I think that this falls into our how we live section because of our knowledge of identity and hope. Um, and even though it is not specifically said, I think it is, I think we can make the inference that Peter is telling us that part of how we live is to be on our guard, just like he's been saying all along about being on our guard against external um, struggle and external um, attack, for lack of a better word. We also need to be on our guard against internal ones. So um, just as surely as there were and are those who spoke the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, there will be those who say they speak for God, but don't. 
So our bottom line today is that we need to know the real thing so that we won't be fooled by a fake. We need to know the real thing so we won't be fooled by a fake. And the framework for our discussion today is going to be this. We're going to talk about the features of a fake, and we're going to talk about how to spot a fake. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm probably not going to answer every question you've ever had about false teachers. I wish I could, but there are just some questions I don't know the answer to. Um, and there are some questions that I think have some that, that don't have succinct, simple answers. So let me go ahead and give you a warning that you may not walk away with every single question answered, but I think that this is going to give us a good framework for dealing with false teachers. So the first thing, um, the features of, a fa of false teachers. Um, the first thing is that they are a certainty. Verse 1 tells us there will be false teachers. Um, it, it comes up over and over again throughout the New Testament. It's in Acts. There are warnings against false teachers in 2 Timothy and Titus. In Peter's letters we're seeing now, in John's letters. And even Jesus himself warned us of them. It comes up time and time again in the gospel. There will be false teachers. We can be sure of that. And the second thing is that false teachers can be sneaky. Um, he tells us, it, verse 1 keeps going, that um, they cleverly teach. So, I have a $20 bill here. Would you like to take this and buy something with it? No, why? It's fake. It's fake. This is from my kid's play cash register. It is a fake $20 bill. It is very clearly fake. You know this. You're not going to try to accidentally take this and buy something with it. What about that? If I handed you that, would you, would you think, what would you think? It's not. It's a counterfeit. It is absolutely not real. You wouldn't be able to do anything with it. So, there will be obvious false teachers. There will be false teachers you will look at and go, I don't want to do anything with that teaching. There are false teachers you will look at and go, Maybe. Okay, there will be ones that are not so obvious, and Peter points this out to us. Verse 1, they will cleverly teach us. In verse 13, he talks about how they delight in deception even as they eat with us in our fellowship meals. They will be among us. They will be sneaky. False teachers um, teach heresy and bring blasphemy. So what does that mean? What is heresy? Um, that's something contrary to sound doctrine. This original Greek word that is translated as heresy means something along the lines of a self-chosen opinion. A self-chosen opinion. And they go so far as even to deny Christ. Um, verse 1, even deny the master who bought them. But it might not be so obvious. Again, sneaky. So this is, for a good example, is... Um, how many of us have heard people teaching Jesus plus something else? Jesus plus what you do. Jesus plus. So, sneaky, heresy. Um, and then blasphemy. What is blasphemy? This is the idea of the way of truth being maligned. In verse 2, it says, Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth in the NLT version says will be slandered. So the way of truth because of them and their teaching will be maligned, reviled, spoken evil of. Um, 
think about the fallout of major church scandals that you have heard of. So the other thing we know for sure about false teachers and their features is that they're bound for destruction. Peter tells us in verse 3 that God condemned them long ago and their destruction will not be delayed. And then he goes on in verses 4 through 9 to reference fallen angels, the ancient word, Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, Peter is assuring us that these false teachers will be dealt with. God takes very seriously the handling of his word and the teaching of his people. And he will not allow those who misrepresent him to get away with it. So, there's a caveat here. Not every teacher who is wrong or who has said something wrong is a wolf. As Jesus tells us, wolves in sheep's clothing is a wolf. Sometimes a teacher will get something wrong. I can think of a time when I have said something that was confusing and out of context and I didn't clarify and because of that it was wrong. Um, Teachers are imperfect and they make mistakes and they probably will make mistakes and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a false teacher. Um, So let's talk then about how we spot a fake. And there are two ways to spot a fake. Know the real thing and hold it up to the light. We know the real thing and we hold it up to the light. So the first thing, know the real thing. Um, Story time. In the 1980s, there was the circuit. Well, first of all, let's say this. The $100 bill is the most threatened currency in the world as far as counterfeits go. And in the 1980s, there circulated what they called a super note. It was a near-perfect $100 counterfeit. And you want to know how it was first spotted? Someone in a central bank, an international bank, spotted it because it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. The paper for American currency is sourced from a single provider, a single mill. It is a very specific recipe. It's a blend of cotton and linen. It has been provided by the same source since 1879. And because of that, American paper has a, the, uh, the American banknote has a very specific feel to it. And this teller caught it because it didn't feel right. It wasn't printed on the right kind of paper. Someone who had handled American currency so much, they knew just by having it in their hand that it wasn't the real McCoy. So if we're to spot a false teacher, if we're to be able to identify the heresy and the blasphemy that they are cleverly selling us, we must be so familiar with the real thing we know when what we're hearing doesn't feel right, so to speak. So how do we become familiar with the real thing? Well, through relationship with Jesus and through a knowledge of God's word. And Peter knows this, and he's already pointed us to the importance of knowing God's word in 2 Peter chapter 1. In, verse, in chapter 1, verse 1, he says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. In verse 3, he says, God provides all we need for godly living, and we receive it as we come to know him. So as we know, grow in the knowledge of Jesus and of God's word, we will find that scripture offers us some litmus tests that we can use. And here are a couple of examples. Here's litmus test number one. Is Jesus central? Verse two, chapter two, verse one says that the false teacher will deny the master who bought them. 
In contrast, chapter 1, verse 1 says, This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. Are they denying or are they pointing you to Jesus? Another one is, um, are they appealing to the right things? Chapter 1, verse 19 says, You must pay close attention to what they, the prophets, Scripture, wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. They are the right appeal will point you to scripture, to God's word. The wrong appeal will appeal to, um, in chapter 2, verse 18, says that with an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure. 2 Timothy 4, 3 puts it this way, A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound doctrine. They'll follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. Are your teachers making an appeal to what you want to hear? Or are they pointing you to scripture? And this, by the way, is a litmus test for yourself. Are you looking for teachers who are going to tell you what you want to hear? Are you looking for teachers who are going to affirm the idols you already hold in your own heart? Are you going to point to your, are you looking for teachers who are willing to challenge your idols and point you to scripture? So the application here, what do we do with knowing the real thing? Feed yourself. Think about infants and newborns. Someone has to feed them. But as the goal, as they get older, is to, for them to be able to feed themselves. So feed yourself. If you look in chapter 2, verse 14, it says that um, false teachers lure unstable people into sin. And in verse 18, they lure those back into sin who have only barely escaped. And I think the implication here is immaturity. So be mature and protect your hearts and minds by firmly rooting yourself in God's word. Know beyond a shadow of a doubt those first two themes we talked about, your identity and your hope. And do this by being in the word of God. It is easy to rely on others to tell you what God's word says. But do not take their word for it. Do not take my word for it. I think Christine and Lisa would say the same things. Do not take our words for it. Hold teaching up to scripture and know when it doesn't feel right. And if you know the real thing, you won't be fooled by fake. So the next thing that we can do is we can hold it up to the light. So the $100 bill was redesigned in 2013 and a number of new security features were added and most of them are fueled by light. If you hold up the bill to a light source, you'll see a watermark. Ultraviolet and infrared right light activate security features used by um, money scanners like in vending machines and cash deposit or um, self-checkout places and things like that. Reflected light will keep photocopiers from making copies of it. Um, and then that blue security ribbon that you see in there plays off of um, some microscopic lenses that, that work off the interplay of your light and the way that your eye and the way it perceives light. That top one is that $100 bill that I showed you at the beginning. That bottom one is the real thing. Yeah, real close. And this blue stripe that's right here is one of the light features that is triggered by light. So if you want to spot a fake, hold it up to the light. Jesus tells us in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. Does the teacher you're following reflect Jesus? 
Does the teacher you're following reflect the character of Jesus? And Paul, Paul, I keep doing this. Peter tells us the character of a false teacher. They are prideful. Oh, I got carried away. Sorry, guys. Um, They're prideful. In verse 10, God is especially hard on those who despise authority. False teachers are not willing to submit to authority. Verse 18, they brag with empty and foolish boasting. A false teacher is prideful. Jesus is humble. False teacher will have an insatiable appetite for sin. They are indulgent. And Paul focuses most especially on the context of sexual indulgence, sexual immorality. Verse 2, many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. Verse 10, they will follow their own twisted sexual desires. Verse 14, they commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They are indulgent. They follow their own whims. And then another very obvious characteristic is that they're greedy. They choose to ensnare and exploit the people of God for their own personal gain. Chapter 2, verse 3, in their greed. 14, well-trained in greed. Verses 15 through 16, Peter makes an appeal to the story of Balaam, who, um, that's in Numbers 22, he loved money. And as someone who was supposed to be speaking for the Lord, then used that instead to further his own personal gain. A false teacher will be greedy. So here's the question to ask yourself. Does the character of the teacher you're choosing to follow, choosing to learn from, reflect the character of Jesus? The other thing that we can... um, that we can look to when we are seeing if it reflects the light is the fruit, the fruit of the false teacher. Um, Matthew 17, 7, 15 through 20, um, Jesus is talking about the wolves in sheep's clothing, and he talks about trees not being a good tree will produce good fruit. They'll be known by the fruit that they produce. Um, A false teacher is unproductive, verse 17, um, a mist blown away by the wind. That implies that there's no rain. They don't produce any rain that's useful for growing crops. Also, verse 17, they're useless as dried up springs. So they're unproductive, they're useless. And that's in contrast to a true believer who grows in their faith who strengthens their character, who is productive and useful in their knowledge of Jesus. And we see that Peter talks about that in chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Jesus talks about it in John 15, in abiding in the true vine produces fruit. Paul talks about it in Galatians when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So are they producing... um, Are they growing and producing good fruit? And then the other thing of the fruit of the false teacher is it's empty. The fruit of a false teacher is empty. They make promises, chapter 2, verse 19, they make promises, um, but those promises come to nothing. They promise freedom, but they are enslaved to sin, and following them will lead to our own enslavement. 
in contrast to a true believer, a true teacher, who points us to God's great and precious promises, which enable us to share divine nature and escape the world's corruption. So we ask, is the teacher that I'm following fruitful? <laughs> is what they produce good for anything, or is it empty or useless? and useless? I mean, remember this $20 bill. Are you going to want to take this to a store and use it for anything? Can you take this to a store and use it for anything? No, you can't. You need to get yourself a real $20 bill. So the thing to think about here when we're thinking about how to spot a false teacher is that our primary discipleship needs to take place in the context of the local church. Know your leaders and your teachers. Observe their characters. See the fruit that they're producing. Listen to the promises that they're making, whose promises they are pointing to, and where they lead. And I know for those of us who attend New City, some of our churches are big, and some of us are not going to know our pastors personally. But we can see the structures that are in place around them, the frameworks that are around them. Are they willing to submit to authority. At New City, we have a board of elders that our pastors are being held um, accountable to, and we, and we know that. So be aware of who you are learning from, and the easiest way to do that is proximity, who you are close to. I love to read Jen Wilkins. She is one of my very favorite teachers. I love to follow Jackie Hill Perry on Instagram and listen to her podcast. I love all of these people but they are not my primary discipleship. My primary discipleship is coming from Chris Payne on a Sunday morning or Gabe Smith or Christine or Lisa, people that I can see and know and be aware of the framework that they're in, the accountability that they're under, the character of their lives and the fruit that they're producing. So there will be false teachers. They will be among us. But Peter gives us a reason for hope, and we see it in verse 9. The Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials. And all we have to do is look to the stories of Noah and Lot for that encouragement. It can be exhausting for us. It can be discouraging to constantly be keeping up our guard in a crazy world full of crazy voices saying crazy things. But we can be confident that God sees us and that he knows us and that he will protect us and rescue us. So take heart. Hold fast to his promises. Be sure to know the real thing so that you are not fooled by a fake. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promises that you give us in your word. Help us to know them and to lean on them and to trust them and to use them to evaluate um, the truth that we are hearing, the teaching that we're receiving, and the people that are teaching to us. Help us to be wise. Help us to be discerning. Help us to know you and to love you and to use you as our framework and our benchmark. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>